You're here on Cannabis 101. Educate your mind. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Elevate your mind. What's the time? And we're back officially. Cannabis 101. We got here. We got here. Yeah. Now it's time to have some fun. Hey, Jennifer. Hello. How are you? I'm awesome. We have special guests here today on Zoom. I'm so excited. Me too. We have Chandra Batra and Cindy Weeks. Thank you guys for coming on. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you. Yes. Um, can we hear you? Oh, I'm not sure if we can hear yet. But thank you for everyone also hanging in and tuning out there as well. Now, Chandra, how are you? I'm fine. I'm just, my birthday's tomorrow. And oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Chandra. <laughs> I got to send you a birthday cake. And I got to see my brother's. My brother Stephen Mandeli rocked the house at the veterans panel earlier with Marion McNabe. Go, guys, go look it up online. I have the link on my Facebook, and they're presenting the they're presenting their cannabis findings. And one of the huge barriers right now is just money. Amen. Which, yeah. Which is which is shameful, seeing that the people who took over our cannabis industry just made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think um, I was looking at an article earlier today that in Worcester, the city grossed $3 million off of uh, ta marijuana tax revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're saying. Where does that go? Yeah, where does that go? Do we see that in our communities? Mm -hmm. no, absolutely. Well, it's not going to the patients or the veterans, is it? No, it sure mm -hmm. isn't. So, Chandra, tell us about yourself. Welcome. Yeah. I mean, I know you. Lauren knows you. I think most of us in the cannabis space know know or know of you. But we want to hear more about your story and, you know, how you got here. I got here through a long and winding road. I became a pig. I became became a cannabis user when I was 12 years old because I was born not breathing and I had severe, severe, severe anxiety. And cannabis is one of the few things that's ever helped. I have PTSD because uh, I grew, I had a basically really tragic childhood, kind of like Lemony Snicket, but it was a real little black girl. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so I had the Lemony Snicket childhood of someone growing up in New York in the late 70s, early 80s in an artist community in New York, the East Village. I got, I unfortunately was exposed to a lot of things really young that I shouldn't have been. One of them being heroin and harder drugs. And I was a junkie from the time I was 12 to the time I was 18. And I'm really proud of, of places like Oregon and the Netherlands and places that are seeing this as a health issue and not as something to criminally punish people for. Absolutely. Cool. And I hope that Oregon continues providing safe access to everyone because the very first step of getting someone who's living in dire straits to actually talk to you is to support who they are and where they are at this very moment. Amen. And I, I, that's a thing that I'd like to tell people all the time and just in living in life, you know, meet people where they are mm -hmm. um, because we really don't know, you know, what people are dealing with in their personal lives or, things like that. So really try to be, you know, kind and meet people where they are. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Chandra, tell us more about your work here in Massachusetts and yeah. your work around um, medical marijuana patients. Well, I was one of the very first founding members of MassCan when we started in the early nineties. I came originally from, from New York to go to drug rehab here. I was also a member of ACT UP when I got here. And during the beginning of the AIDS crisis, we had no medicine other than cannabis. Very, very few people had any access to the antivirals because they were a thousand dollars a month. We lived in really, we were living in a really hard time in which people actually died. And cannabis was one of the few drugs, as well as alternative treatments, that we actually saw people improve from. My magical teacher, Christian Myers, ended up dying in 1984 as a result of the AIDS crisis. And cannabis has been a life-saving medicine for thousands, if not millions of years to humans. And we are so, and the fact that we have long-term, ask any long-term AIDS survivor what medicine kept them alive. And, and they will tell you either, even advertently or non-advertently that cannabis was one of those medicines. Mm -hmm. And when we started the fight for medical in 2012, in 2012 
which was a continuation of the fight that we've had ever since 2000 because the state legislature chose to let it be a legislation issue until we said, screw this, we're gonna go fight, fight for this as a ballot initiative. I ended up joining Mass Patients Advocacy Alliance to fight for the, to fight for cannabis to be a state issue. Very That's nice. awesome. So how, how do people get involved? Um, how do we as, and we, I'm including myself as a medical patient, um, get involved? And you know, how do others that want to support um, medical marijuana patients get involved? Unfortunately, right now, we had our patient movement co-opted. I'm asking everybody who wants to to please join MassCan at the moment because we are trying to rebuild the patient movement that we lost to big business and big industry. Those people who made a billion dollars do not give one flying big Newton about your existence. They sure don't. They sure don't. And that's MassCan, so that's M-A-S-S-C-A-N-N dot org. Yes. Awesome. And I saw that you actually helped uh, put together the Freedom Rally last year and multiple different things with MassCan as well, right? Hey, tell that guy behind you, be careful. He's making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. I'm like, I hope he doesn't fall. <laughs> yeah, he's making me nervous. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. What was, was your question? <laughs> um, so like the uh, organization that you do at MassCan, so for the Freedom Rally and whatnot, do you want to just talk about that a little bit as well? Yeah, I'd love to, Matt. MassCan is trying to pull together a grassroots patient movement that hasn't been listened to. And as the and as the special advisor for medical right now, I'm trying to reach out to pe I'm trying to reach out to people and to get people to actually search their own arts about what they want medical cannabis in the state to look like. Mm -hmm. It cannot only, we cannot be a state that only provides medicine for the rich. Mm -hmm. And poor people do not and poor people do not deserve to go to the street. For do not deserve to go to the street for their medicine. Your your cannabis, your cannabis information shouldn't be coming from a boy sitting under a tree. Unfortunately, right. that's what a lot of patients are stuck with in the state because of the high expense of medicine right now. Mm -hmm. For sure, and I I share the story a lot. I was behind a a woman who was suffering from breast cancer and she was purchasing RSO. She was only purchasing two weeks supply. It was over two thousand dollars her bill. Um, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, pa you know, patients who need this medication um, and are going into, you know, financial debt to get it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I've had I've had friends who've had to actually leave the state and move because they can't afford to be here. It's like it can't come down to you paying your heating or electrical bill and you being able to not be in pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can't it can't come down to that. I appreciate that. What is your vision for a medical program that you know might inspire other people to also join MassCan and say this is something that needs to happen? My vision is that we get the my vision is threefold. One, we get a proper caregiver ratio in the state. We need a twenty to one. We need a twenty patient to one caregiver ratio mm -hmm. for the for the rural communities where the care where caregivers are basically your dispensary. And in Maine, they have a care they have a care a pure caregiver model. But I see that in the inner cities, we actually need dispensaries because we need people who we need people who might need we need compassionate care for people who might have more critical illnesses to be able to work. We need those staff members to actually be able to reach out and work with doctors mm -hmm. in a serious way. And we need well-trained butt tenders. Mm -hmm. And we also need to support patient grow as well. We need to support patient grow and patient grow information. We need patients to be able to leave a dispensary with a set of clones like they could at Harborside yes. in Oakland and go home and grow. Yes. That yes. is so cool. That's so innovative. Something I mean, I've never we, heard. Yeah. I mean, with Empress and Bandit, we're a micro, uh, micro grow. And that's one of the key things that my son said to me, um, you know, when we talked about starting this business is that he wanted to be able to help the medical community provide clones, provide seeds, be, provide, you know, service to them so that they would be able to grow their own medicine and it would be more economical. I mean, that's, that's the so whole reason cool. he started growing was to help me as a, as a medical patient. So, 
you know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the other piece is, you know, the CCC needs for medical marijuana, they need to make it so that we can not be vertically integrated and they need to allow cultivators to grow medical marijuana as well. Um, because I, I'm going to be honest with you, I think the micro grows are going to be the ones that bring out the quality marijuana. I mean, I think everybody here that's using cannabis, um, you know, recognizes that, you know, the Massachusetts this market, um, you know, isn't producing quality products. So, you know, that's another another piece to it. Yeah, it's very far, few and far between for great quality products out in the Correct. market. Yeah. Correct. Well, monopolization only benefits big cannabis. It Correct. doesn't benefit. It doesn't benefit a patient. It doesn't benefit caregivers, and it doesn't benefit cannabis doctors. Mm -hmm. It only benefits the pockets of the people who own the dispensaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to um, also introduce our other guest. Yes, we have Cindy Weeks. Welcome, Cindy. <sighs> I was telling Lauren before we got on air that you are one of the people that I reach out to when I'm struggling <laughs> professionally um, or personally for, um, for advice. So welcome. Yes, thank, thank you, you for being here. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to be here. I know we had some technical difficulties, but I kept saying this is very interesting. So. <laughs> you were <laughs> no learning worries. all about the hemp yeti. Before. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. worries at all. Thank you for sticking through. Appreciate it. So tell us about yourself, Cindy. Oh dear. Um. So I guess I go way back in the field of education. I've been a principal. Um. I've been a dean, a teacher, you know it from elementary, I mean, well, actually from early ed all the way to college. Um, I'm a mom. I have a little farm of chickens and dogs and cats, as my mother call it. I mean, I'm a pretty low-key kind of person. I'm pretty square, too, because I don't smoke, but I know so many smokers, and um, I just growing up in Dorchester and having a West Indian family and um, knowing my friends and just thinking about positions that I'm in versus them because of a choice that they made. Like we're really no different. You know what I mean? We just made different choices and my choices shouldn't be, you know, um, raised on a pedestal any higher than their choices. So mm -hmm. once Jen said, well, here's the situation and let's talk about education. I definitely said like, Hey, I'm there. So I really want to start off talking about um, diversity and inclusion um, because that's a big um, topic in the cannabis space um, and diversifying the space, uh, elevating uh, people of color to business ownership, not just participation in the in the industry, but business ownership. Um, and I know that, you know, one of your more recent um, activities or, or entre entrepreneurial activities is around the diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. space. So talk to us about how, you know, we can incorporate diversity inclusion um, better into, you know, the cannabis space. What are the steps that we can take as a community and what steps can businesses take um, to help to elevate the voices um, and the knowledge base of people of color? That's a really good question. And I think it comes back to a lot of the conversation that happened before I came on when we we're talking about the crack um, pandemic and HIV and AIDS and how we were criminalized and how we didn't have the, the health needs that we need to take care of ourselves and so on and so forth. And when you really think about that, you have to think about a community that's been broken and has been taught not to trust. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we're saying you have to trust the situation because it's now legal and, you know, it'll help you you grow, it'll help you market yourself, it'll help you network, it'll help you be better, it'll help a community, it'll help this, it'll help that. And I think the first thing we have to do is figure out how to readdress trust in our communities. Um, how do we educate our communities and let them know? Like I didn't know about the $25 hemp license. So just telling them like, well, something as easy as starting with a hemp license, like you don't have to go full marijuana, but you may wanna do hemp, you know what I mean? Um, it's about giving options, and it's really about just knowledge overall. Um, as well as the opposite side, you have to show that we are not all that you've ever seen on television. Like, we are, you know, we are lawyers, we are doctors, we are interested, we are simply, you know, some of us are simply weed smokers, and it doesn't mean that we're bad people. We're humans, and the other side, um, meaning the white supremacist side of the business, really has to understand that we're humans as well. Hmm. 
I think that that's, you know, that's excellent point. Um, I think. Yeah. So we're just going to go to a quick break right now, but we're going to be very back. We're going to be back very shortly. You've been listening to Cannabis 101 on Unity Radio 979 FM, Worcester's Community Connection. You can watch us on Facebook Live at Unity Radio MA or stream us at WUTY979FM.org. And feel free to call in and join into the discussion at 508 471 5265. Have a know it time. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? It's turn feed time. What's the time? Cannabis 101. Unity Radio. Worcester, we've got gotcha. you. Yeah. Join the UPS team today. UPS is now hiring personal vehicle drivers. You can earn $21 an hour plus mileage reimbursement. UPS personal vehicle drivers work full-time, Monday through Friday. Various shifts, additional hours, and overtime may be available depending upon service needs. UPS personal vehicle drivers must be willing to use their personal vehicle to transport and deliver packages. Best of all, candidates may live near the area of the driving route assignments. Give yourself a little something extra to make the season bright. For more information about the personal vehicle driver position, apply now at jobs-ups.com or call the UPS Worcester Employment Center at 508-751-6017. Join the UPS team today. Unity Radio is streaming at WTY979FM.org. We'd like to thank our listeners and supporters. State Senator Michael Moore. SenatorMikeMoore.com. Holy Cross Basketball Alumni Friends, and The Sullivan Group, Insurance and Risk Management Services. For more information, visit sullivangroup.com. Unity Radio, Worcester's Community Connection. The Worcester Public Market is a multi-vendor, food-oriented marketplace in the European tradition. The Worcester Public Market is near the legendary Kelly Square, just a few seconds from Interstate 290. The Worcester Public Market features street-oriented businesses of various stripes, a small merchant market floor, the Foodie Heaven Market Pantry, and a vibrant food court with a seamless connection to the social pleasures of the Wachusett Brewyard. There is nothing better than enjoying your meal or beverage. The Worcester Public Market is located in Worcester's resurgent Canal District. For more information about the Worcester Public Market, visit WorcesterPublicMarket.org. Unity 97.9 WUTY Worcester. You're here on Cannabis 101. Let's get your mind. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? And we're Cannabis back from break. Thanks for sticking by, folks. So we're here with Jennifer Gaskin, my co-host. Hello, hello. Hey, hey. And then we have Cindy Weeks and Chandra Batra. Thank you both again for ch- like tuning in and being with us today. And thank you for your patience through our uh, technical issues there earlier. Yeah, much appreciated. So we were talking about, you know, how, how do we employ um, diversity and inclusion tactics um, to, the, to the cannabis uh, community? Um, and so Cindy was sharing with us a little bit. So, so Cindy, talk to us a, a little bit. You mentioned that, you know, you've come up uh, professionally through the educational um, system and, and things like that. And I know that we all learned, you know, about the war, the drugs, you know, don't know the yeah. drugs and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff, you know, in school. So h- how do we you know, educate our communities and, and reverse, you know, the, the stigma. I don't like to use that word, but yeah, no, exactly. it's the best one to describe the situation. How do we work in our communities to, to open those conversations and turn that around? I, you're from a Caribbean family as, as, as I am. And I think, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a discrepancy. So we, in my family, we either have people who smoke or we have people who are vehemently against smoking. Mm. Two ends of the polar spectrum. Yeah, that's it. Like <laughs> that's we don't it. have, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's either, you know, I'm the I'm the you know uh, niece or cousin or whatever that always shows up high, <laughs> or, or or it's like Jen, do you have what you got today? <laughs> so okay. that's the reaction I get. So how do we 
how, how do we work with that in our community? How do we educate people? How do we get them to, to understand that, you know, it's not just, you know, Jennifer wants to smoke weed and then get high. It's Jennifer has multiple sclerosis, anxiety, depression, endometriosis, and she needs to smoke to feel good. Like, how do we get there with our community? I think we just have to offer a certain level of understanding because I, I grew up in a house that was polar opposite, right? I had a dad that smoked, a mother that was like, mm-hmm. heck no, yep. you know what I mean? Like, it was like, she's in love with him, but this smoking thing was an issue. So totally polar opposite. So I was able to, inside my house, draw my own opinion of what really matters, you know, just based on that. And I was able to love, cause I'm not gonna like not love my dad because he smokes, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. adopt these principles. So I was, I just grew up in a way that uh, I was able to love the way that I want to love and accept people for who they are um, and know that one small thing or the other what doesn't make them a bad person, even though the world may think that it's a bad thing. So I think it's through education. Like I educated myself. I educated myself because I love both my parents, because my parents loved each other. So it's really about taking that same formula of education and just being like the beacon or shine the light. Like, Jen, I wouldn't know that, you know, you use it even for you know, MS, if you never told me, right, but you educated me, it's not my business, but it does help to understand and center why it's not all bad. You understand what I'm saying? So I think more of this authenticity needs to come out, more people need to speak, more of the Shandras of the world need to actually share her story, like, to hear that, like, and and she sent me a chat and said, oh, you're a great woman, and I'm looking at her like, no, you're a great woman, like, you know what I mean? So, it's like, even to think that because I have all these degrees, I'm a great woman, like I could be a horrible person. She, I still have never done the things that she's done and worked in that capacity. I've worked in another way, but she's doing so much for our community. And I, I just think it's about education. And I think that the, the guy that came on earlier from, what is it? Good, well, Good vibes, place in Cotton. Yeah. yeah. He, he said it better than I could ever say it. Like from the time you enter the door, we educate you. So from the time we begin these conversations, we need to educate people. We need to enlighten. We need to share. We need to listen. We need to give space for these types of conversations because even just listening and waiting to come on, just listening to everything you guys like spoke about, you enlightened me today. And it's that simple and that easy if we just open it up. Very cool. Yeah, no, that's. And it's also an honor of you to say that. So thank you. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And just really, you know, using your voice um, and, you know, using your authenticity um, to bring forth the message. Like, I always figure, like, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. Um, I run a nonprofit. I work full time. I have a career. And so I like to share my story so that people can realize that, you know, because I am a cannabis consumer doesn't mean that I'm a loser sitting on my couch playing Mm -hmm. video games. Like I get up every day and I go out and I try to make, you know, an impact every day. And I do that as a cannabis consumer. So I, you know, that's, that's why, why I try to lend my voice to the community because I feel like I'm a real regular person. And for people to see that I consume, I feel like it, it helps them to feel comfortable um, in consuming as well. Absolutely. I mean, if people see you spreading your message and sharing your words and saying, okay, this is what I'm using it for. I'm sure you get people that reach out to you and say, thank you for sharing that because you're making someone feel more comfortable too in their own situation, which it's awesome. Like that's your, like your power and you're empowering other people to do so as well. So it's cool. You know, even like my, my, my son, who suffers from, from ADHD. Um, and he's been consuming, I don't know. He, I think he told me like 14 and then I was like, dang. So I was like a bad parent. I didn't even <laughs> know you was smoking. Like what the hell? And then my husband's like, you didn't know that Louis smoked. And I was like, no, I didn't know Louis smoked. He's like, so what did you think when he came in after school and ate your whole refrigerator? And <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, well, I don't know. I just figured I don't know, growing kid, whatever. But, you know, and I, and and in him sharing his story, he's actually been able to help people. Yeah. Right? Because remarkable. they're like, wow, I suffer from ADHD mm-hmm. and I, you know, suffer with, you know, slowing down my thoughts and focusing and things like that. And, you know, he's able to share like, yeah, that I've been using that since high school, <laughs> you know, to, so cool. to help me to succeed. And, and, you know, my son, 
while he did leave school, um, I want to say sophomore year, I um, took him out of school. He was, you know, having challenges. He's a black, black man now, but a black child then um, and, and being targeted in certain ways. Um, and so we took him out of school and I told him, I I'll withdraw you from school. But the requirement is that you pass your GED mm -hmm. and you go to, to community college. Yeah. Within a week, he went and took the test and passed the GED. The dude never opened the book that I bought for him to study. He went <laughs> and passed the test and got his, his GED. And then he enrolled at Consigamon Community College. So at the end of the day, you know, his journey was different. Mm -hmm. But he still got to where he needed to be. Yeah. Um, and he's now able to be a voice to others in the community to say that you don't have to go. You don't necessarily have to go the traditional route. Mm -hmm. You can go a different route. And you could still be successful. And look, my mother's funding my cannabis business. <laughs> that is the coolest thing. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, the road to success is many different loops and ups and downs. So that's super cool. And that's a, exactly an example to other people as well. And I think that's what, you know, that's what's important with, you know, talking to Chandra and Cindy. You know, you guys are both women who have had a different path, right? That mm -hmm. have led you to where you are today. But you're able to, you know, impart that to other people, to educate other people and elevate, you know, the voices of other people who are not able to speak. Or you remember when your voice wasn't being heard. And so now you're able to vocalize that. And I think, Jen, there are a few things you said I want to comment on. One is the black voice in German school. Mm -hmm. And it bothers me because the minute they come to school high, it's like they're not in school misbehaving. Mm -hmm. They're not causing any trouble. They're not putting their heads down. They may space out a little bit, but they're easily redirected. But, but hey, he smells like, smell weed. like weed. Right. He smells like weed. Get him out. That's it. Thing. You know what I mean? And for me, that was a hard part of being an administrator in the high school because mm -hmm. I lived with a parent who was very functional, who was very loving, who was very caring, who was very everything you could ever desire in a man. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm with my husband now, because he is like the love of my life. Like my father, you know, like my father showed me what I wanted a man, but he was a weed smoker. So you're going to say what? Like, it doesn't work like that. And I think we penalize our students so often for using something that really, really need, they really need help for. They need, really need help with. And when I look at the show on Netflix, um, what is it? take your pill. I'm like, so all of you are out there doing something anyways, but then you want to penalize the black kids. Right. I mean, you're taking it, Adderall, you know? you're taking Adderall, you're taking <laughs> Ritalin, you're taking all this, and now you want to kick my son out because he and smells like Illegally, me. not because it was, it's oh, yeah. yours, but yeah, because it's your friend. So yeah. that really got me to thinking, like, how do I make things better for students? Because that is truly the school prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. you know and I mean? this is that why is we... Pipeline. Absolutely. And this is why we need an emphasis on special education in the black community. We need more services for these children to keep them interested in school. And we also need pediatric cannabis to be accessible to these students. Mm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, with my my all three of my children actually are diagnosed with ADHD. And like I tell everybody, I'm sure it probably comes from me. Um, and. My, you know, like my my younger daughter, um, she's much like my son in that she's very like she she has definitely has like the hyperactivity part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at night, CBD. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Shuts her shuts her down. Let's let her get a good night's sleep. When she wakes up, she's focused and ready to go at school. But parents don't know that it, that that's safe. Yeah. And it's lack of education, though. And I mean, like you said, the stigma. But if you know that it's actually something better for your body, especially anything that we take as a pill, it's going to be targeting one thing in our body. That's going to also then leave every other part of your organs, like being like just used more. So it's going to cause other side effects too. So I think that's, it's way better, honestly, but again, it's just lack of education and ignorance really, but we're actually going to, we're, all right, we're going to go to the break really quick. Manny is awesome today. We love Manny. He's, running, he's, always he's, awesome he's, every he's day. hypersensitive today after yeah. the technical issues. So. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to Canvas 101 on Unity Radio 979, Worcester's Community Connection. You can watch us on Facebook Live at Unity Radio MA or stream us at WUTY979FM.org. And feel free to call in and join us in the discussion at 508 471 5265. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Unity Radio. We used to hang out, talk, and just kicking around. We discovered a love that had never been found. 
Worcester, we got you. The United Way of Central Mass's Woman Initiative is presenting its first annual Stepping Up for Girls event. This is a week-long virtual celebration featuring the kickoff event on November 10th, where we are celebrating women's leadership and girls' empowerment. And then, November 11th, join us on Women's Initiative Facebook and Instagram page for Women Leader Tributes. November 12th, there will be a meet and greet where you can hear directly from girls about their program experiences and how they are coping in the pandemic. We are wrapping up our celebration on November 13th with the Rise and Shine member session where we'll be giving you self-care tips, you'll learn how to give back with Women Initiative and a chance to network. One mission, four days, limitless impact. To join us for the Stepping Up for Girls virtual event, register at give.classy.org slash 2020 Stepping Up for Girls. I'll see you there. Join the UPS team today. UPS is now hiring personal vehicle drivers. You can earn $21 an hour plus mileage reimbursement. UPS personal vehicle drivers work full-time, Monday through Friday. Various shifts, additional hours, and overtime may be available depending upon service needs. UPS personal vehicle drivers must be willing to use their personal vehicle to transport and deliver packages. Best of all, candidates may live near the area of the driving route assignments. Give yourself a little something extra to make the season break. For more information, apply now at jobs-ups.com or call the UPS Worcester Employment Center at 508-751-6017. Join the UPS team today. You're listening to Unity Radio, Worcester's community connection. You're here on Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. And we're back to Cannabis Cannabis 101. 101. It's Lauren Prey with Jennifer Gaskin. (laughs) No Jimmy here. (laughs) No Jimmy today. We got Cindy Weeks (laughs) and Chandra Batra. (laughs) Thank you both for being with us today. Welcome. So let's talk um, more about education. So Chandra, what do you think um, the community needs in terms of education and, and support? I think the biggest education that we can give right now to patients is that they have an endocannabinoid system. And I'd like to quickly educate you how to find it. Put your hand on the back of your head and now put your hand on your tummy. The, head, your, the back of your head is your CB1 receptor. Your stomach is your CB2 receptor. So now you know where those receptors are. And since you know where those receptors are, you can figure out exactly where your, where your endocannabinoid damage is. If you have issues in your lo- that go below your belt, like your endometriosis that you were mentioning, that's a CB2 receptor issue. If you have an issue like a migraine, that's a CB1 receptor issue. So know your body and know yourself. I think it's very important that you also start doing something doing something every day to improve your endocannabinoid system. Yoga is really great as well as Tai Chi. And you can actually start eating other vegetables and other fruit and other herbs like chocolate. Everybody loves chocolate, right? Yeah, you know I am that <laughs> dark chocolate like fanatic. Heck yeah. yeah. That'll improve your endocannabinoid receptors as well as your as well as your cannabis experience. Nice. So your bot so your body can balance your body. Very cool. Which makes total Ooh. sense. Yeah. Because I- because you are actually supposed to be able to produce enough endocannabinoids to not need weed. Your body didn't need weed a thousand or a hundred years ago. It's the stress and the environmental damage that we've done to this planet that's causing all of us to fall apart. I think the other point that my son always brings up to me is that, you know, hemp used to be part of our just environment, right? Mm -hmm. So animals were eating it, um, you know, so we were just consuming it, you know, as part of our diet and balancing ourselves out and not realizing it. So now with hemp being, you know, eradicated, um, you know, that we're at this this state of imbalance. Um, And then, like you said, balancing it out through using marijuana, um, you know, exercising, et cetera. I mean, Mm -hmm. even myself, simple stuff like 
replacing hemp oil um, when I cook instead of using canola oil. I cook with hemp oil all the time. Even when, you know, even when I'm making like cakes and stuff like that, I always use hemp oil instead of vegetable oil in my foods. Um, So just making sure that my, my family you know, is being balanced out. And when yeah. you think about the high rates in our community of heart disease and um, diabetes and high blood pressure, et cetera, it's very important for us to be balancing ourselves out uh, overall. Absolutely. So Cindy, as a non-cannabis consumer, what do you <laughs> think that people need to know? Like what what is the the one, the one or two things that, you know, you feel like the non-cannabis user community should should understand about this plant? Well, I, I really think, of, first of all, the hemp thing I'm with because um, I do cook with hemp oil. Mm-hmm. You have hemp seeds um, and you drink hemp milk. Yep, <laughs> Everybody's yep. local store. <laughs> so, um, so, so I want to, you know, add that. But I do think that it's not all, I think, here's what I really think. I think we've all been told lies in our lives and it's time that we just, decide that we're going to educate ourselves and use Google like Alex Trebek to use, you know, Jeopardy to ask the question, what is, who are, what do I need to know and really get yourself educated because I think we're in a different, they're in a, we're in a different age. If I'm talking to you right now, by the time I get on my phone, this microphone is going to pick up something within this conversation mm-hmm. and start advertising something to me, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we have the technology to educate ourselves and as a non weed smoker, mm-hmm. I believe that we should educate ourselves. Like everything we've been taught is really not true unless you've been educated before. It's the same thing about black people. Everything you've been taught, re-educate. White folks, every, every, Latino, just re-educate. We have the time now during the pandemic to recenter ourselves and we need to start recentering ourselves in this moment. And, and that's truly what I believe as a non-smoker. I think it's something we shouldn't do. We just shouldn't judge. Um, and I don't see this time any different than I saw crack and the AIDS pandemic. Like they went head to, together, right? Now it's okay. What are we going to do about marijuana? And what are we going to do about you know COVID? They're kind of going together, and I think that we just have to reeducate and reprogram and recenter ourselves. Oh, I think that's I think that's a great point, especially in this time. Last time, last week when we were on, we didn't have a president elect. I know. Yeah. This week we have a president elect. And I know, you know, I've seen at least in my community and in, in my Facebook thread, a lot of conversation around what happens now for mm-hmm. cannabis with this new administration coming in, particularly um, Vice President-elect Camilla Harris, who uh, is a former California DA. And I know that you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, are are upset with her, um, you know, based on her record. But I more recently, I've seen that, you know, she's come out in support of cannabis decriminalization, um, as well as um, expungement. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also seen that um, President-elect Biden um, has also come out in, in support of that as well. I know in the past, he, you know, was one of the people who ascribed to the uh, gateway drug conversation. But I've, I've also seen, you know, a shift there. So Chandra, having being involved in, uh, you know, lobbying and legislation, legislative activities, what do you think is important for us um, as a community to be aware of, looking out for, advocating for as this new administration comes in? I think the most important thing we need to advocate for during this time of change is to realize that the MORE Act itself, which Kamala and Cory Booker were the two were the two biggest voices on for a very long time without anyone else's support, is actually a business bill. If you need community, if you if you're a patient, it's not truly going to benefit you. And we need to keep pushing for an actual comprehensive medical cannabis bill in this country. There is one, and it's called the CARES Act. And I urge you to get involved with the Americans for Safer with ASA with Americans for Safer Access and to get in touch with people statewide as well as nationally to say that you want a more patient-focused version of the MORE Bill, of the MORE Act to get passed in this country because it's not going to be. Thank you. That, that's yeah. that's important. And then, Cindy, with, with the new administration coming in and, and us uh, 
coming away from the the education secretary that's that's currently in my eyes are probably all the way in the back of my head because I'm rolling them so hard. <laughs> um, how how do we how do we fix the misinformation that is continuing um, to be given to our our children in school? Because my mm-hmm. kids still think you know, are still being educated that, you know, cannabis is a, is a drug and it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they come home and their mom is, you know, <laughs> throwing <laughs> token blowing and- rings. Yeah. On their couch. She's making stuff so- in the garden. <laughs> easy bake right, really right. I got my easy bake garden on the <laughs> counter or whatever. So how, how do we, you know, fix that in our educational system? I think the first thing we have to do is stop sending kids home just because we think they're high. You know, (laughs) there is no real way. And I don't know if you know this, and I know every principal in the world is about to be pissed that I even say there's no way to check if a kid is high. Like, no, no there's no way. There's no way to check. Right. So when your kid, when the kids come to school, they could be Jen, your daughter could be coming out of your car smelling like, you know, right. (laughs) And then you're like, well, come pick her up because she's high. No, you don't know. Mm -hmm. If that child is not behaving, if that child is not out of it, if that child is still functioning, allow the child to stay in school and do their work and do not treat them like less than just because you perceive that they are high. I think that is one of the reasons your son had enough of school. I think that's one of the reasons a lot of kids, mm-hmm. there's so many of these perceptions of them that are not true and they don't have the voice to say, you know what, miss, that's not true. Or they don't have the energy to keep repeating, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. So if we stop judging, we educate ourselves, and we treat students like students, you know what I'm saying, and not like criminals, I think that's one of the best ways that we can start. And there could just be a simple policy that says, listen, they're here to learn. If they're learning, leave them alone. That's why I also urge parents to get pediatric cannabis cards for their kids, especially the teenagers. If they're going to smoke, at least they should have... I mean, it's been used in California. At least, if they have if they have a card, then they can't be questioned like that. See, I didn't even know I could like do that. that. So, I talk to me a little bit more yeah. about like how how do I do that as a parent? Like, I didn't even know that was an option. You can call up. You can call up a alternative wellness clinic. Kathleen McKinnon will help you, but it's still a hard process because you need two doctors decide because you need two doctors to sign for your child's medical card. And it's really expensive and it's a bit expensive right now, but there are, but there are doctors like alternative wellness clinic who will help you through the process. Children, teenagers definitely need their, need their cards right now because we don't live in a cannabis normalized community mm-hmm. and black kids are under threat from so many other issues exactly. too. Because they want us to be a part of, they want black children as a part of the school to prison pipeline. Do you know that there are over 35 that there are over 35 companies in this country that have that hire exclusively through the private prison system? Oh, I have no idea. Wow, that's yeah. awful. It, it, she is. Thank you for sharing that. That is like she is on point. She is on point. The only fear that I have is that even with the cards, they're still going to be treated poorly. Now they may have a legal right. So the cards now to me become an IEP, right? Right. Yes. Right. To have an IEP, and we say, "Hey, here are the, the the accommodations. Here are the modifications. Teachers know they're trained, and yet still those IEPs aren't followed. Mm-hmm. Still, children are feel feel like they're less than because they're not as smart or they don't do things like everyone else. So we have to still find a way to change the image. And I think if we take what what Chanda just said and add sort of like some sort of PSA to it. You know what I mean? You can have a visual of changing the image along with this card, but the image along with the laws have to be changed just so students can come to school and get, it is their right to be in school. Okay. So we are violating their rights constantly. And then we're wondering why does this student make it? And that student doesn't make it. We're just pounding against their egos and we have to stop. And, and I think if we could just visualize that, and add something legal to it, like she said, already exists, you may help in a way, but people have to change their minds. You have to change their views. The same way they were easy to switch up the crap epidemic, you know, when it was all the black people, it was a high, it was a problem. Now that we have all, a whole lot of white folks on, you know, heroin, it's an epidemic. It's, mm-hmm. it's a health issue. 
it, it, it is something different. Now we are providing. Now we shouldn't bother them on methadone mile. Now we should leave them alone when they're excreting in our yards. Now there are all these excuses that go along. Those excuses need to be for children because they haven't seen a star pitch yet. Make them because, for adults, don't make them for kids. Because being black in this country always has been and always will be a criminal act. And I'm sorry to say that, but as a person of color, I, I've i definitely experienced that. My mother was a dark-skinned black girl. My daddy was from India. So my mom looked a lot more, my mom and my youngest brother have got, have, look a lot more late, like you got, like you and Jennifer. And it's like when I saw Jennifer walk into my very, to my very first mass can event that I saw her looking at my auntie and looking at my mom. It, you know, it's like my mom was like this tall, my mom wasn't as tall as you, but she was as stylish as you. And to see this beautiful black girl and to feel in my heart, like, oh shit, how is everyone else gonna react? And one of the things we honestly need to call out is the racism in cannabis, is the fact that like, you know, I see these beautiful black people wanting to join our industry and I feel like I can't protect you from the bullshit I've experienced. Mm. And that 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 that's a that's a powerful powerful mm -hmm. statement right there. I think absolutely. Manny was singling yeah. us for yeah. a break. So all right, yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna be at our uh, last break, folks. You've been listening to Cannabis One Hundred and One on Unity Radio Nine Seven Nine FM, Worcester's Community Connection. You can watch us on Facebook Live at Unity Radio MA or stream us at wuty nine seven nine fm dot org. And feel free to call in and join us in the discussion at five zero eight four seven one five two six five. Cannabis 101. What's the time? It's Terpene time. What's the time? Cannabis 101. Unity Radio. Worcester, we gotcha. Yeah. The Worcester Public Market is a multi-vendor, food-oriented marketplace in the European tradition. The Worcester Public Market is near the legendary Kelly Square, just a few seconds from Interstate 290. The Worcester Public Market features street-oriented businesses of various stripes, a small merchant market floor, the Foodie Heaven Market Pantry, and a vibrant food court with a seamless connection to the social pleasures of the Wachusett Brewyard. There is nothing better than enjoying your meal or beverage. The Worcester Public Market is located in Worcester's resurgent Canal District. For more information about the Worcester Public Market, visit WorcesterPublicMarket.org. Unity Radio is streaming at WTY979FM.org. We'd like to thank our listeners and supporters. Diamond Auto Group in Auburn. To learn more, visit ChooseDiamond.com. The Worcester County Sheriff's Office and Worcester Railers Hockey. For more information, visit RailersHC.com. Unity Radio, Worcester's Community Connection. Join the UPS team today. UPS is now hiring personal vehicle drivers. You can earn $21 an hour plus mileage reimbursement. UPS personal vehicle drivers work full-time, Monday through Friday. Various shifts, additional hours, and overtime may be available depending upon service needs. UPS personal vehicle drivers must be willing to use their personal vehicle to transport and deliver packages. Best of all, candidates may live near the area of the driving route assignments. Give yourself a little something extra to make the season bright. For more information about the personal vehicle driver position, apply now at jobs-ups.com or call the UPS Western Employment Center at 508-751-6017. Join the UPS team today. Unity Radio. Worcester, we've got You're here on Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? Cannabis 101. And we're back to Cannabis 101. We got Jennifer Gaskin in the studio. First of all, I, I, I love the music that comes on during the break. 
every listen, I was born in 1976. So when my parents used to have parties, that's the music that used to go off downstairs. And then the kids, we'd all be hiding upstairs and we'd all be dancing. And, and then we try to somebody try to sneak downstairs and then they yell at you and send uh, you back upstairs. That's what that just reminds. It just so gives cute. me a, a warm feeling because I remember always trying to run downstairs and see what my dad was doing downstairs with his friends and then it, that's so cute anyway. it was good tunes <laughs> nice job Manny we appreciate that always the good vibes so we got Chandra and Cindy again thank you both for being here now Chandra I was curious because you said um well you are an activist and you're fighting for expungement and you have a personal friend that I read that is actually going through that right now can you kind of share a little bit about that? Yeah, my friend, my dear friend Lance Glore is in, he's in jail in an FCI Sheridan in Oregon. He he was a care he was a caregiver to a bunch of pediatric patients. Mm -hmm. And he got brought down basically because of a of a business partner snitching on him because of a, a whole huge money issue. Mm -hmm. But if you go to Freelance Glore, you can read more about the actual case, but he but he had lost a patient recently of this beautiful little girl named Madeline, who is part of her, who is part of this movement called Madeline Madeline's whole plant journey. She ended up dying at eight years old two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you sent. I'll we'll share that video too, and that's remarkable. I mean, the fact that a man is sharing cannabis at, for pediatric patients, helping save the lives of children, and now he's in jail. But again, too, this is like, again, part of your mission of like moving this forward and changing the caregiving laws, too, which is super important. And again, thank you for your work. That's very important. Uh, absolutely. And before we went to break, we were talking about you made a, conjure, a comment, Chandra, about black people not being safe. And you mm -hmm. don't think that we'll ever be safe in this country. And honestly, I, you know, when you said it, I'm like, wow, never. But honestly, I feel the same way. I guess I just never vocalized it, but I think you're right. I mean, what, what do you think, Cindy? I mean, that's why I'm here pretty much. Like, I actually sent her a chat like that was deep. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I think I vocalize it, but I think hearing someone else saying it was kind of like, oh, you know, okay. It's, it's really true. Mm -hmm. I don't see how we're going to be safe. I don't see how we can be safe when we're not in any of the top seats. So unless you're running things at the top, you I mean, you go getting a little something, you go to one person, the higher up you go, where are the black people? So who do who understands your culture? Who understands what you're going through? You know, it's a lived experience. And right now what we're facing is just a people understanding a lot of lies. Like history has been told and it hasn't been the truth. So I understand why people feel the way they do. I just don't accept it. And I just don't tolerate it. And I, I actually speak out against it. But I think she's right. No, Systematically, I mean, there can be no change, Jen, if we aren't anywhere. Right. We're not there. And I mean, I think we see it here in the cannabis space. When I, I you know, set out, I said, okay, you know, I'm going to get a job. I want to get a little part-time job as a bud tender, right? Because mm. I just want to, you know, get my feet wet, whatever. And then, you know, I didn't last very long because I started to see, like, you know, the VPs and the, the higher ups, like, frankly, I knew more, like I could run circles around them mm -hmm. with my eyes closed. <laughs> like these are people who, you know, were formerly in industries like, I don't know, restaurant or like whatever. Computer science, Keith, who owns Rev Clinics came from, came from comp side. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And the only rational reason for those people being on the top is the skin of the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. I'm coming to you as a person with over 15 years, probably close to 20 years of experience in the most regulated industry there is pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. So how could you not see that there's transferable skills, right? Mm -hmm. So then you say, okay, you know what? Yeah, we're going to try to hire her, but we're only going to hire her at the director level because we can't have her at the, on the ET level. Right. You can't be on the executive team because then she might actually have a voice. So let's try to hire her at the director level. But let's try to hire her at the director level for pennies on the dollar. Like you're not going to. I I'm in Massachusetts. This is the biotech hub of the world. 
I get paid to do my job. I get paid for my experience. I still have student loans that I'm paying at 43 years old. You need to pay me for my experience. So you're not going to get me for pennies on the dollar and you're not going to get me with a short change title when you know that I could be at the top. And that's what we see. That's what I see um, in the cannabis space. And and I think that that's what you were referring to, Chandra, when you said, like, we, I can't protect you. Like, I, I want you to get involved. I want you to be successful. But I can't protect you from what may happen to you if you go out there into the world. And, and a lot of that has to do with private equity. I mean, the fact that cannabis bank that banks will not lend to a cannabis business means that there's no incentive for them to have fi fair hiring laws. Exactly. A person whose private money is paying for something can hire basically who looks like that person, right? I mean, what is the incentive? And right now, without more, without the more being passed, there is no incentive. And we were talking about this off air, yeah. Lauren. We were talking about, um, you know, if you're in the legacy market, because I don't like to call it the illegal market. If you're in the legacy market, how do you transition from the legacy market to the legal market when they want you to submit tax returns and this and that? Like, where do you, how do you expect me to justify where this money came from if what I was doing was illegal? At the time. At the time, right? <laughs> but the whole point, you know, that that was the whole story that they sold us, right? Was that, you know, we're going to repair the damage that was done on the war on drugs. And we're going to allow these people who were in the legacy market to become now legitimate. But th that's not reality. That's not reality. The banks don't lend to us. So it's your money. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, you know, here I am taking the risk. With my, you know, my little nest egg, this this would be my money when I retire, right? When I when I want to get on the plane and go to Grenada and buy my big fancy house and live on the beach, that's my money. But I now have to give that money to my son, so that I can I can help to prop him up and help him to be successful. Because my goal is to retire and be out of here. But if I retire and I'm out of here, I need to make sure that my kids are straight here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so how do how do we get, you know, how do we get there as a yeah. community, I think, is is the point. And right? I think a lot from what you like told me last week, too, where it's hard because there isn't generational wealth, mm -hmm. wealth in black and brown communities. And it's not because of anyone's fault other than no control and the government and the people on top. And exactly. for me learning it, I'm like, this is very humbling and just a lot to take in. But then and that also inspires me to take action and like, what can I do? And guys off air, like, I want to talk to you guys, too. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, no, I just think it's, that's the huge issue. And that's the big question when you're saying too, that there's a million or a billion dollars in tax revenue, three million of it came to Worcester and we're saying, where could that go? Where, I mean, where is it this, going? Yeah, exactly. Where is it going? That there's, there is money. Right. There is, there is. So what can we do to positively impact our community? But so I think we, we have to go ahead. And Sean. first we have to, we have to first stop saying that it's nobody's fault. The banks knew what they were doing during the 1950s when they started gerrymandering gerrymandering communities. The Republican Party knew what it was doing when it starts st stopped stealing opportunities from black people. You know, there is no, there is not, there is nobody's fault. No, this was systemic. Mm -hmm. This is what systemic racism looks like. We're sitting on a pile of, of absolute shite right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic and people see how the economic domino is going to fall apart in this country because of this pandemic. And it's brought a lot of other issues to light because we haven't, because it's easy to distract people with, with commercialism. It's easy to distract people with, with celebrity culture. It's easy to distract people and defy people over the simplest, stupidest things. And until we're willing to look at who stole what and when and why, we will never have an actual answer to where we are. Thank you. And Cindy, we have a couple minutes, a couple seconds. So oh, give me, give I you. I don't know what I can say after that. Yeah. Give you a, you know, your closing, closing remark. And it might be just as we do in the, in the, in the Caribbean culture. Remark and we ain't got nothing to say. I love that. I mean, 
<laughs> drum roll, please, okay? Drum roll, please. And she's right. It doesn't get any simpler than that. We need to go back to brass tacks, start looking at information, look at the 1619 projects. I mean, like, you really have to educate yourself. And I can't say anything other than, it sounds cliche, but you have to educate yourself. Like, if she didn't do all that work, and if she didn't educate herself, she couldn't be here to share it with us today. You know what I'm saying? And we have to name it. And the good thing is, you have Lauren, who is also working as an ally in this field. So when you say, how do you elevate? You have to build allies right now because you're not at the top. You have um, Chandra. We're not at the top. She's figured out how to get her place in there. Use that to continue to network. Use each other to continue to build and create a community. Because it's really not a community for us. It's a community for them. And, and, and you know, like I said earlier to Lauren off air, you know, I'll gladly be the token black person if that means that I can elevate and, and bring people with me. I'll gladly sit there and be that person. So I, I, this was awesome. Thank you so much to both of you for, for joining us today and, and sharing your experience and your knowledge. Um, it, it's really been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so thank much. You. <laughs> nice thank you. Nice meeting you all. Have a good thank one. You. Nice you. Thank you. Amazing. Well, everyone, that's today's episode of Cannabis 101. A <laughs> super awesome episode. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Chandra. Thank you, Cindy, so, so much for being part of it. Everyone, you've been listening to Cannabis 101 on Unity Radio 979 FM, Worcester's Community Connection. You can watch us on Facebook Live at Unity Radio MA or stream us at WUTY979FM.org. It's turn time. What's the time? Cannabis 101. What's the time? It's time to have fun. Cannabis 101. What's the time? Unity Radio. Worcester, we've got.